Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. Join us this Sunday at one of our four campuses. Call times are at 9 and 11 a.m. at our Somerville and Remount campuses, 10 a.m. at our North Charleston campus, and 11 a.m. at our Monk's Corner campus. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit faithishere.org. Good morning. That was me on the last clip. <laughs> That's what uh, happens when you live life un- inverted. <laughs> no, really, if you don't know, if you haven't heard, I had a hip replacement uh, a couple, several weeks ago, and I'm still trying to get uh, my leg, land legs back, whatever you want to call them. But I'm getting there. Somebody called me Little Moses this morning. Uh, a gentleman made this in... Uh, in Merle's Inlet, and I like old things, so got the old, it's not a diamond, it's an old doorknob. <laughs> Tells you something about me. Uh, I was going to practice on the water fountain to see if I could divide it, but uh, <laughs> didn't work. I, well, the other Sunday, somebody asked me that, and I tried on the, the fountain, and it quit. <laughs> so, not, not so sure that I'm having success in, those, in that area. But it's good to be with you this morning, Pastor, and, and some of the other staff have already made, starting to make their way towards uh, Orlando. We will be down there for the General Council, the Assemblies of God, this week. So pray for us while we're there. Uh, it comes every two years. We have a big uh, council meeting, and they'll be going through some business and that type of thing. But uh, that's where we'll be this, this coming week. So remember us in, in your prayers. It's a good thing, though. It's, uh, it's not like we're going away to a foreign country or something. It's all good. So uh, we're looking forward uh, to that. But it's good to be with you this morning and share the Word with you and what God has for us. So if you would stand with me and we'll just read um, a portion of Scripture and then we're going to pray. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 15. And about verse 14, he says, I myself am convinced. I'm convinced, he says, my brothers that you yourselves are full of goodness, complete in knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. And I've written you quite boldly in, in some points as if to remind you of them again because of the grace that God gave me to be a minister of, of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles with a priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God and sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through the leading of the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done, and by the power of signs and miracles through the power of the Spirit. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Illicrum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I might, would not be building on someone else's foundation." Let's pray. Father, thank you for your presence this morning and for your Holy Spirit that's here in this place. We have already experienced you as we have begun to worship you. We ask now that that presence that's here would flow through us, begin to speak to us in individual ways. Though I present a message, God, let your Spirit present the Word and do a work in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. It is great to be here this morning. A neat, neat reference here 
Paul begins to give us his mission, his ambition, and his vision. His mission, his ambition, and his vision of what his life was all about. You know, there's another mission that happened some years ago in modern times. It began about 49 years ago, to be exact. A mission that all of us are probably familiar with in some way or another or some fashion or another. It began as a TV series back in 1966. Who was born then? 66, wow. Some of you cheating. You were born in 1956. (laughs) But way back in 1966, all the way up to 1969, there was a TV series about this mission. Reruns of the shows are still being seen even today, some 40-some years ago. You probably have characters or figures or models that have some kind of relationship to that mission that was presented a long time ago. You could probably even quote the mission statement better than you can quote the Pledge of Allegiance. You think, well, that might be a stretch. But I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to start with the mission statement that began a long time ago, even made movies about it, whole new series now. And I want you to jump in verbally, out loud, when you start remembering that mission statement. Are you ready? Just jump in any time. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Oh, you're doing great. It's a five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Woo. You got it. Somebody feels so good about it, shaking here. That good job, man. All right. You know Star Trek. <laughs> oh, gosh. It's amazing what we remember, isn't it? <laughs> but we can relate to that, and we've referred to it often. We have a mission here at Faith. We have a mission here at Faith. And our mission is this, connecting to Christ and experiencing life. We ought to be able to quote that to anybody who asks, what is faith about? What is the church down on Farmington Road about? It's about connecting to Christ, experiencing life. Say it with me. Connecting to Christ, experiencing life. Everything we do at Faith on all four campuses is somehow connected to that theme, to that mission. That's what we're about. We should know it. We should live it. We want to connect people to Jesus Christ because in so doing, they will experience life, life more abundant and life everlasting once they make that connection to Jesus Christ. And Paul had a mission, and he realized that to accomplish his mission, to take the gospel where no man had gone before, to spread it around where he was and then take it beyond those walls, beyond those barriers, it would take some elements. And those elements you see in your notes this morning, we've pretty much filled in the blanks already for you because it says this, that he needed the experience or these three elements of partners, plans, and prayer. We need partners. You and I need partners today. In verse 14, Paul gives us a good clue as to the partners that he chose to work with him and to stand beside him and to support him in his ministry. He said they're full of goodness. They're full of goodness. They're filled with knowledge, and they can teach others. 
Paul chooses some unique characters. And in Acts 15, tells about one of the characters and one of the partners that he chose. His name was Silas. Silas. That was one of Paul's chosen. He was with Paul in almost everything he did. When Paul was dragged into the streets, there's Silas. When he was dragged to prison, there's Silas. When he's in bondage, in chains, there's Silas. And everything he did, Silas was right next to him. He said, if you're going to go through it, I'm going through it with you. But be careful who you choose to be your partner. And be careful whom chooses you. (laughs) You might have to go to jail. So I hadn't counted on that. I mean, we're spiritual partners who... Sounds wonderful, doesn't it? But Silas was a partner of Paul, and being a partner to him and a supporter of his ministry and what he did took him all the way to jail. Are we ready to go there? Don't raise your hand. Sometimes you may feel like the enemy has got you in jail. Sometimes you may feel like you've gone down a road that that you can't see any way out. You're in bondage. You're in almost like it were chains, spiritual chains. You don't know which way to go. But let me tell you something. When you've got a partner in the faith like Silas, you can handle it. Because here's what happened. Paul and Silas started singing, and they started praising, and they started worshiping. And I don't know if this stool can hold me or not, (laughs) because I want to get up so bad. So you're just going to have to put up with my little limp. But here's the deal. Paul had a partner named Silas. And Silas went with him wherever he went, which took him all the way to jail. It's going to take you through some tough times if you're willing to be a partner with one another. But as they begin to sing, as they begin to praise, as they begin to worship, everything around them began to shake. It shook things up. And not only were they set free from their bondage as they worshiped, but even the prisoners around them were set free. Because they partnered together they partnered together sometimes if you want to know what real jailhouse rock is about you might have to go to jail but when you're in the midst of it and you start worshiping and singing and praising God together with your partner he'll take you through the jail and out of the jail and out of bondage but you're going to need a partner you're going to need a partner Ecclesiastes 4 and 2 verses 9 and 12 rather tells us two are better than one Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three is not easily broken. It's tough when you're trying to do it out there by yourself. Paul said, I need partners. You and I need partners because two or three can stand strong. As they are woven together, you can't break it. It becomes tougher and tougher. Just imagine Paul singing in the jail by himself. That's called a solo. My solo's okay, but you ain't got harmony until you put another part with it. Now, I'm going to get excited anyway. See, solo is one. A duet is two. A trio is three. A quartet is four. An ensemble is five to eight. After that, you got a choir. After that, you got a multitude. And if two can begin to sing in prison and set the captives free, guess what a trio can do, an ensemble can do, a choir can do, a multitude of people. If we will begin to partner together as the body of Christ should, we can rock this world. They shook a prison, we can rock a world. 
But it's up to us to begin to partner together so that can begin to take place. Just a, just a side note, just thought of this, you know, um, <laughs> solo is, is okay, but there's only, only going to be one solo in heaven. Anybody realize that? In Zephaniah, he says, and he will joy over them with singing. Because the rest of the time in the Bible talks about a multitude. The heavens will rock as we worship, as we partner together here on earth. Because whatever we bind on earth will be loosed, bound in heaven, and loosed. Amen? We need partners. Partners. He had Timothy. He had Titus. He had Luke. He had others. And here's something unique. Even in the day of, of Paul, in his um, culture, he had women partners. Imagine that. The ladies should be shouting right here. <laughs> he had partners like Priscilla and Aquila. And he even calls them his co-workers. These are my co-workers. We work together. Let me tell you something. I'm just going to throw it out there. Ladies know how to partner together and agree together with a woman in the faith and pray and seek God and stand together with people. Men are not so good. Just, sorry guys. We just don't have it so well. You know, we, we, we kind of get uncomfortable getting close to other men. Just, I, 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 I can deal with that. I can recognize that. But we got to get over some things and start partnering together because if Paul can work with ladies and men and women, it doesn't matter what culture they're from. He said, we need to partner together. Get over some of the, inhib- some of the things that you've got built up. Another interesting partner of Paul, if I can say this right, was Tertius. Now, I realized and learned that Tertius was not really a name. See, there was a scribe that traveled with Paul. The Latin word in Roman times for Tertius is third. Because in Roman times, slaves were given numbers. For instance, one would be primus, secondus would be second, and Tertius was third. And I stopped there because that was enough Latin for me. (laughs) So when they call this gentleman Tertius, he was actually a scribe who was writing down the things for Paul. As Paul began to give them out, he began to write the Scriptures for Paul as a scribe. Now think about that. Some of us need to get past the things that we think are uncomfortable or that person's just not like me. I'm not sure I can partner with them. Paul partnered with all types of people from all backgrounds. I want you to look across this congregation right now. Just, just take a glaze. Just look around. There ain't another person in here like you. <laughs> Whew, thank the Lord. <laughs> We're from different backgrounds and cultures and colors and, and organizations and, and speak different languages. That's what we need because Paul said, I need culture. I need people from every background to partner with me so that we continue to take the gospel beyond where we are right now. He said we need partners. In our text, Paul was was speaking to the Romans and to the believers there. And he first spoke as an apostle to these Gentiles. And he was teaching and building up the church all through Romans. We've been, you know, we're wrapping this whole thing up on Romans today. But second, he was trying to establish something here at the end but because he began to talk about uh, illocrium. He said, 
I'm, I'm right here, but God has, has helped me present the gospel from Jerusalem all the way around here and all the way around there, but he had a bigger vision than just that. But he said, I know this, I can't do it alone. I need partners. I need partners in Rome. I need partners in Corinth. I need partners in Ephesus. All these people and the, these books that we begin to read about in, in the New Testament is because Paul was establishing new works in new places, but he had to have a base. And as I begin to look at the Scripture, the Lord began to open my eye to something. I've been here a long time in Somerville. I've been in this church a long time. But years ago, I could not really see and fathom what God was doing, but I see it now. I see it now. Just a little side story. I remember one time when I was sitting in the office in, in the first building over there in Building 1. A guy came in, and I had missed him. He came through looking for looking for me, left a card on my, note, on my desk. I looked at it, and I said, wow, I wonder what that's about. I called the guy who was from Bell South, called him years later, or years later up, up to now. What that little card brought about was a tower that's sitting on the back of our property that began with a radio station, Christian radio station in the area, which grew to television ministry, which is continuing to grow all because of one little card. And I thought, man, I never imagined what God could do with that one little thing sitting back in the corner of our property. And every day you, you drive by here and you don't sit, think a thing about that tower. But that tower is helping to spread the gospel in another means. And all we did was plant a seed. All we did was do a little thing. Paul was trying to establish a ministry in here in Romans so that he could spread out. And he said, I need this as a base. Let me tell you something. Somerville Faith Assembly right here on the drive has become a base for ministry to North Charleston, to Remount Road, to Monk's Corner, and soon to Goose Creek. We have become a base because we have partnered together and we need that partnership to continue to grow you see, you've heard us talk about from time to time the pipeline. And leadership pipeline is what this is all about. Paul started it. He taught one. He reached another. And then he began to teach them so that they would become leaders of another. And the gospel began to spread. The leadership pipeline that we try to initiate here in our body is coming right out of Scripture. Exactly what, he, what Paul initiated. He said, I need partners and we need plans. Paul's mission, his ambition, and his vision was simply this, to go where no man has gone before. You kind of got that mission now, don't you? His plan was to go, not to sit. Whew, might better take a little shot of water on that one, give you all time to think in. His plan was to go, not to sit. Not just say, oh, isn't this wonderful? God has blessed us here at Faith Assembly. Hallelujah. But to go, but to move forward. His ambition, his plan, everything was to go forward. He was focused on the future. Philippians 13, I'm sorry, Philippians 3, verses 13 through 14. Let me read it for you. He said, brethren, I count myself not to have apprehended. I haven't arrived. Whew. But one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I call that one thing with three parts. <laughs> he said, I've got one thing, one thing. Forget what's behind, reach forward to what is right here, and then press towards the mark of the future. 
Our plan at Faith Assembly is to forget yesterday, reach forward to the task that is before us today, and press towards the prize of tomorrow. You want to know what our plan is? That's it. Forget what happened yesterday. It's been great. God has blessed us here. It's been wonderful. The campus has grown. We've got six buildings on this campus, four on another, three on another, two on the, on the other one. It just goes on and on. See, I know that because I work with, with facilities. <laughs> I say, man, it's, it's amazing what God has done. But we can't live on what he's done. We can't live on the past. We've got to move forward to what's in front of us. Forget what's behind. It was great yesterday. Revival was good 10 years ago, but I want something for today. I want to move forward in today. The task that is right here, that's what it's about. It's taking hold of that and moving forward for tomorrow. Paul's dreams didn't hold him back. See, there's a difference between dreams and I guess I should say memories. Because dreams will push you forward. Memories will anchor you to the past. Oh, okay. <laughs> Forget the past. Forget yesterday. I know we all think of the past. We, we remember those things, but they're good memories. Don't anchor yourself to them. Rather, move forward and let God do something in you for today. Get busy with what you can do at the task that is as that is right in front of you. Teach a class. Get involved in a life group. Go visit somebody at the hospital. Go check on somebody. But get busy at the task that is in front of us today. Acts 12, I'm sorry, 2. Acts 2, verses 17 says this. I just had to throw this in there. It'll come to pass in the last days, saith God. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Buckle up, because I'm getting ready to give it to you. Somebody's not going to like this, but it's okay. Old men will dream dreams. Young men will see visions. Now listen, old men. When it comes to dreams, I'm not talking about a nightmare from pizza or, or any of that kind of thing. If you're old, start dreaming about the possibilities with God and how you can make it happen. Amen. See, I don't consider myself old. How old do you think I am? Ooh, I feel a witness. Somebody said 21. <laughs> I don't consider myself old. Somebody gave me a button a long time ago. It's about this big for a birthday. Uh, and it said, you can stay immature indefinitely. Because <laughs> I cut up all the time. You know, I have, I have a good time. But I don't consider myself old. But he said, the old man will dream dreams. And I don't think we're there. He's talking about dreaming dreams of the past. I think he's talking about dreaming dreams of the future. Of what God can do and what he can do with us. If you're going to dream it, then wake up and do it. Whew. All right, young men. Ah, there I am. Know that there's a difference between a harebrained idea and a God-given vision. Just saying. It's Okay. I think I'm young now, but I was younger, and I had some harebrained ideas. 
off the wall stuff, man. Didn't have a thing to do with God or church. I just thought it was cool. <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Wow. Yes, that's God. That was just my enthusiasm, my excitement. But I am trying to challenge the old men today to dream dreams of what God can do in the future and do it with you. I'm trying to challenge the young men to have a God-given vision that stirs up inside of you that you can't help but do it. So for the old men, I say this. You can write it down. Never let go of your dream. Never let go of your dream until you're ready to wake up and make it happen. And for the young men... Some have a vision for success, and others wake up and work hard at it. The whole thing is about us getting out of our seat because Paul was challenged and had a vision to go, not sit. Have a dream, get a vision, but get busy with one or the other. I know I've I've directed it to men in general, but I'm speaking to the whole body. Ladies, I want you to do the same. Don't wait for somebody else to get a vision or a dream. Let God begin to stir something in you and say, I'm going to partner with another person, and we're going to see God do some awesome things that we've never seen before. He wants to take the gospel beyond where it is right then. Have a dream. We need partners. We need plans. And we need prayer. Look at... Romans 15, as we're wrapping up these two last chapters, verse 30, he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Join me in my struggle. How do we partner? We join with one another and we pray for each other as we're going through this struggle. Verse 31, pray that I may be kept safe from the unbelievers in Judah and the contribution that I take to Jerusalem may be favorably be received by the Lord's people there so that I may come to you with joy by God's will and in your company be refreshed. (laughs) Paul said, I urge you, I urge you to join me in this struggle. This is a spiritual battle that we're in. The struggle refers to uh, an athletic term that means we are going to work together as a team. That's the struggle that we're in. I can't do it by myself. You can't do it alone. We will try to make it, but we continually dig ourselves deeper and deeper. But if we'll struggle together with one, if we'll pray together with one, if we'll agree together, we can work this thing towards victory. If we're going to complete our mission, we need a power or the power of prayer in a team. You can't always fix my situation. Most often you cannot. Someone will come to you and they begin to share and tell all that's going on, and you are at a loss as to how you can help them. Well, what can I do? I, I, I don't really know what to do. I can't fix your situation. You're exactly right. You can't fix it. But you can join them in the struggle as you pray with them, as you believe God to do a miraculous thing in them. Paul made reference to the prayer in these specific ways. He says, pray that I may be kept safe. Pray, join me in my struggle so that I may be kept safe from the unbelievers in Judea. How many know we live in a rough world? We need to pray together, join our partners and pray that God will keep us and preserve us in the struggle that they go out against from unbelievers, from this unbelieving world. And then he says, pray for favor. Pray that as I take this gift there, 
that what I take, they will receive. We need favor. How many are looking for favor? I'm not just talking about a parking space. <laughs> we'll drive around Walmart looking for a parking space. Lord, give me favor. I need a parking space right up front. <laughs> That's reality. Or, or, Lord, I need favor in this thing or favor in that thing. You know, just throwing it out there. I might need to walk a couple extra steps. The favor that he's looking for us to have is favor in spiritual realms that we can conquer for the kingdom of God. I, I, it's great if you get a front row parking space. God bless you. But he wants to take you beyond a Walmart parking. He wants to take us beyond these walls. He wants to do something tremendous in us. He said, pray for me that I will be kept safe from unbelievers, but that I will receive favor as I present this gift. God, give us favor as we begin to live our lives out. Give us favor, God, as we begin to be witnesses to our community, to our culture. God, give us favor that what they see in us, they will receive it. And here's another good part. So that. I like that. He says, so that, whew, so that when I come back to you, we are renewed, refreshed, encouraged, and continue on. Sunday morning is not just about us coming and getting blessed. It's about us coming together and joining with our partners and praying together, believing God to take us beyond what we thought of ourselves, to dream new dreams, to have new vision, to take us into a world that's needing Jesus. And as we come together, what did you feel today? You felt the warmth of the presence of God, but you also felt the presence of God flowing through the people around you. You feel refreshed. You feel renewed. Now you can walk out the doors after the amen and say, I can continue on. Paul said, that's what this is all about. We come together, we pray, we support each other, and then we keep going. We go on into new worlds where no man has gone before. God's not sending you to Africa but he's going to take you to your job and he's going to open up a door and send you into a place, into a realm, into an opportunity that you've never had before to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with somebody who is hungry and needing him into a world that you've never gone before. Paul was arrested. He was tried by Caesar. He was released, later sent back to jail, and this time executed. There was a reason Paul said, I urge you to pray for me. I urge you to pray for me. Prayer. We could talk a lot about prayer. You've probably read books on prayer. You've heard sermons on prayer and all the little cute cliches that we could say about prayer. But I only got one for you. Without prayer, nothing works. Without prayer, nothing works. Prayer meetings are good. We can plan it. We can announce it. We can have it. But afterwards, we're going to get in a car and drive home. Prayer doesn't end when the prayer meeting ends. Prayer has got to be a part of our lifestyle. We've got to be bathed in prayer. We've got to be praying in the car. We've got to be praying on the job when nobody else is looking around. You don't have to make a big spectacle and put on a show in front of people. But you can pray without ceasing. Ephesians 6, 12 says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That's the least of your problems. Sometimes I'd like to knock a few out, but, you know, that's being real. But the Lord reminds me, we're, Lorel, you're not, 
struggling against flesh and blood, but against what? Rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world that's coming against us, against spiritual forces. That's what our struggle is with. And we can't sit down on a job. We can't wait till a call prayer meeting. We've got to be praying. It's got to be a part of our lifestyle. It's got to be a part of us. In your car, in your closet, wherever it takes, whenever, wherever, whatever it takes, pray. We've got to have partners. We've got to have plans. We've got to have prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. You've heard the scripture, watch and pray. If you have to close one eye so you can pray and the other eye open. Pray without ceasing. We cannot let go of that important fact. 2 Timothy 1.3 says, I thank my God. I thank my God that without ceasing, I have remembrance of you in my prayers night and day. Night and day. We got to have prayer. Paul was the most pioneering individual in the scripture. He logged more miles, planted more churches, encouraged more people, wrote more scripture than anyone else in his generation. We never find Paul alone. Paul and Silas, Paul and Timothy. It goes on and on. He's partnering with the people of God, the kingdom of God, so that they can join together and see the task accomplished. This is it for us today. Paul believed in partners. I want you to stand with me right now. Look across this congregation and look at the partners that are around you. Paul had a plan to go. What's our plan? Forget what happened yesterday. Reach for the task that is before us today and press towards the mark of the future and tomorrow. We don't live in the past I can't just live on in hopes of streets of gold. I've got to get busy with what's in front of me today. That's what we're going to do right now. As you look around this congregation, you look at the different faces, you don't have a clue. You don't have a clue. Right now, I look around the room. I look in faces, I see people. I don't know all of you. But I see families that have been struggling. They've been hurting. I see families that have have had a tough time with their kids. They want them to know Jesus and follow Jesus, but it's been tough and they don't know what to do. They struggled with them and tried to pull them back into church. And all you see this morning is their face smiling. They need a partner. I see another family that's been just gone through losing a loved one. It's been tough. It hurts their heart. They probably wake up several days and think of what was. And they have to deal with today. They're hurting. And all you see is their smiling face. I see families that have gone through cancer. Some are still carrying it. They need a partner. 
I don't know the other stories. It could go on and on and on around this room. Some are saying, hey, my wife, uh, we're separated. I see another who says, my husband, we're not together. I need a partner. He's not looking for perfect partners. This is what faith is about. This is how faith grows to another campus. Paul says, I have a mission to go. We're getting ready to plant another congregation in, in Goose Creek. And who knows what after that? But it takes people just like you who have the same hurts, the same pains, the same stuff. They need you. We need each other. Sometimes we say join hands across the aisle and all of that. I don't want you to do that this morning. I want you to do something a little different, almost. But I want you to find somebody. You don't have to know them. If you don't know them, that's okay. You can ask, say, hey, do you know Jesus? Maybe you can lead them to Jesus. If not, I just want to pray with you that whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, whatever trial and situation and circumstance, together, you and I are going to partner up. We're going to see God do some tremendous, miraculous things. I want you to do it right now. Find somebody that you can pray with. Grab hold of their hand, lay hands on their shoulder, but let's join together with people across this congregation. Look for somebody. Say, hey, I'm going to partner with you right now. I'm going to join with you right now. We're going to agree together that God's going to do something fantastic and change some lives. Now, as you begin to pray... I'm going to pray over the whole body. Father God, I thank you for what you have done in this place today. I thank you, Lord. Thanks for listening to this weekly podcast. Check out faithishere.org for podcasts and videos of our previous messages.